Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me for tonight's V Brown Bag. I'm Tom Green. I'll be presenting and uh, co-hosting tonight's V Brown Bag. Uh, we're going to add to the Zero to Useful series that Ariel Sanchez Mora started. And tonight we're going to take VMware vRealize Operations Manager from Zero to Useful. As I said, I'm Tom Green, and with me is Ariel Sanchez Mora. Say hi, Ariel. Hi. So before we get everything kicked off, uh, we'd like to promote the rest of our V Brown Bag series. We have V Brown Bags every uh, week. We have multiple. There's the brand new uh, chapter that is out of Brazil. Uh, they are every other Monday. Uh, we have different uh, shows all through the week. So if you check out vbrownbag.com slash brownbags, you will find the most up-to-date schedule. Uh, if you want to talk with us, you can tweet hashtag vbrownbag uh, or tweet at vbrownbag. We will try to get questions and be interactive, but this is going to be a mostly live demo, almost all live demo. So we want to make sure to catch that, but if we're a little slow on the draw, please, please bear with us. So with the housekeeping out of the way, let's talk about me. I'm uh, Tom Green. Uh, a lot of you have heard me here. I'm a com commonly hosting on the Wednesday night show for V Brownbag. I've been a V Brownbag crew member for about a year, and that's been pretty great. I'm a 3X V expert. And I've founded the Lexington, Kentucky chapter of the VMware user group. Uh, all that's great in my spare time. I love Disney. I go to the Disney parks twice a year. Uh, as you can see, I only own one shirt and only meet one character, Donald Duck. He's definitely my favorite. And I have uh, two kids, so I'm a practitioner of dad ops. And you can catch me at Twitter. TBGRE00. It's probably the best place to go if you want to talk to me. And Ariel, can you uh, introduce yourself? Sure thing. Um, as Tom very graciously put in this slide, I am B. Brown Red Crew. I'm four time V expert. I am a giant Patriots fan. And uh, we've started to do this uh, from zero to useful series, uh, mostly because we know there's always new people coming into the VMware ecosystem. And sometimes you, you can't get that, you know, quality time with your mentor because they're busy or this or that. So these are meant to be like, I know nothing about a topic, but by the time I'm done, I'm done I actually kind of know about it enough to be dangerous, right? So there's my blog, there's my Twitter, there's my GitHub. Anything I can help you with, just reach out. Thanks. Uh, whenever Ariel and I were talking about this, he gave me a few guidelines that he likes to follow, and one is no PowerPoints. So uh, this is a slide to kind of tell you guys we're not going to do many PowerPoints, and that was kind of backwards. But uh, I wanted to set some guidelines about what you're going to see. Uh, we're going to start from scratch. Uh, we're going to do a live deploy of the OVA and talk through the different design decisions as you're deploying vRealize Operations Manager. Uh, 
pepper through that. And whenever we're getting to the setup screen, we're going to do a general orientation and talk about the different uh, definitions and language. If you realize operations manager uses common terms in uncommon ways, which is a rule for a lot of different technologies. So it'll be good to know what they mean when they say adapter or widget. Uh, and it will become useful. Uh, I didn't want to go too deep or go too custom. So everything we're going to talk about tonight is out of the box in any version of vRealize Operations Manager. Whether uh, you're using standard or enterprise, there'll be some more follow-up stuff on my blog and maybe some more follow-up videos if you're wanting more of the in-depth features. But I feel it will be more useful to let everyone who deploys this and has licensing for it get a little bit out of tonight. All right. Do you have anything to add, Ariel, or do you just want, to, want me to give you presenter and get to kicking off the deploy? Let's do it. All right. So let's make me presenter, and I will show. So we're going to actually take a look at my home lab. And again, from zero to useful. So I've downloaded this OVA, which is the VRLIS Operations Manager Appliance, um, version 661. And I'm just about to try to deploy it on my main uh, host. So if something doesn't work, bear with us. You know, you, you're probably going to learn something. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's just drag and drop and see what happens. Which I'll call you VROPS 6.6.1. Well, actually, I should just call it 6.6.x. Yeah, 6.6.x. And uh, we'll put the IP address here just so I don't forget it later. So Tom, this is probably going to be a very boring part because I'm just deploying the OVA. And uh, it's just because we want to be complete in that sense. But I would say that you can start explaining to me. OK, so I'll tell you, being totally frank, I took a course in vCenter operations when it was like 5.8. Mm -hmm. And I really want to get good with VROPS. I see all the features. I see all the things. So being quite honest with you, I do not consider myself in any way, shape, or form a good VROPS person. So what I really want from you is to you know, grab me from the hand and tell me, OK, Ariel, this is kind of like what you should know about VROPS as we're deploying this OVA. Yeah, sure. Um, whenever th there will be some some kind of decisions and some different things that you'll need to uh, to do as you're deploying. So one of the things that uh, really, I guess, matters and that we need to think about whenever you're doing a vRealize operations deploy is the overall architecture of it. Uh, in a home lab, it's you know, perfectly fine like what we're doing now, just to go and kick it out um, as an OVA and deploy a single node of it. But there's a lot of options uh, as you're you're setting it up that you, for different sizes of nodes, uh, which can be confusing. And I think uh, we had a comment earlier about 
how much space uh, even the small one takes. So you have to have some considerations with that and how many endpoints you're going to end up monitoring. Uh, so first off, with when you're doing the deploy, the different sizes that you can actually choose from, uh, there's, it goes from extra small all the way up to extra large. Uh, there's a surprising amount of resource need, or maybe it's not surprising if you're used to monitoring. Uh, it's not just kind of doing an aggregation of logs. It's not doing analytics real time every five minutes on all of the information that gets pulled in. So as you're deploying uh, for CPU and 16 gig of RAM sounds like a lot, uh, but you can easily chew through that uh, depending how and how big the infrastructure is. And I, I found even customers of mine, they have, um, they don't have just one manager. So tell us about, a little about the architecture because I know they can have like replicas of the database, and you can also have remote collectors. And tell us what that means overall. Yeah, uh, so the first node that you deploy, the de node that you're deploying right now is called the master node. And that's going to basically set the, the tone. The, the, it's going to be the center of the architecture and design that you do. There are two ways that you can cluster a vRealize operations environment. The first is through just basic just clustering. So you deploy a second node and add it into the cluster. And that becomes a data node. And it can do analysis and or just data collection. So it distributes out. So the, I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the question from, from um, Graham and Jorge. So VROPS used to be VCOPS, correct? Yes, that's right. And Jorge is asking, does the new version still take two appliances? As far as I know, not anymore. Yeah, the you can do a deploy with one. Uh, there's a actual reference architecture in the documentation that uh, on the, the official documentation site where it's one large instance that does everything for an environment. So it is. Cool. It yeah, is because I remember one. there was there used to be a UI node and there used to be an analytics node, mm. but that I think that came came away with, I don't know, six dot two or something like that. Yeah, now the the analytics and data processing are done in the same node, so the master node has the UI. Uh, cool, very very cool. Yeah, so thank can, you, Graham and Mitchell, for those questions. And. Ken actually just asked the question I was about to get into, so thanks for the, the transition, Ken. Is it easy to scale from one node to multiple nodes if your infrastructure grows? Yes. Uh, the scaling is as simple as deploying another node that matches the size of the existing nodes in your analytic cluster. Uh, so for this one, Ariel, it looks like he deployed four CPU and 16 gig of RAM. Uh, so yep. the, if he would deploy another one, it had to be that same size. But then whenever you're configuring it, you can add it into the cluster and you can choose the role at that point. Uh, so instead of making a second master node, it would be a, a data node or something of that nature. Uh, 
as you very cool as you grow so a small which the four cpu and 16 gig of ram is considered a small uh it can do two nodes in a cluster whenever you get up to the bigger nodes uh, medium and large it can do up to 16. See now I get to the oh here you go host. So yeah, because because I, I I shut down one of my nested hosts because I know the VC, the VCSA in my home lab is easily ten gig and this is a thirty two gig node, so I'm just making sure that I'm not you know forcing anything weird here. Hmm. There you go. So I should have nineteen free. And also something to keep in mind if you're doing this in production, all of the analytics nodes have to be. Uh, layer two adjacent and within the same geography uh, there's some latency issues okay if if you're doing you you mentioned remote collectors earlier there's a a separate significantly smaller node size node called a remote collector and that would go across a firewall uh, if you had a site that wasn't in the same um, data center or if there were some sort of firewall restrictions where you had a uh, VMware or a vCenter or some, some sort of endpoint that needed to be monitored that couldn't communicate in time to the uh, the master node. So when people re deploy remote collector, is it mostly to simplify firewall rules or is it also because, and th this is what I had heard, please correct me again, I'm a total noob. Um, I had heard that the idea also of deploying remote collectors is if you have bandwidth uh, problems between sites, you can deploy a remote collector to do a lot of polling and then just bring those that data up at a certain schedule. Yeah. Uh, if you're pointing everything to a remote collector, that collector will gather at whatever your, your policies uh, gathering point is. So five minutes is the default. Uh, but it may the remote collector may not sync the five minute data except for every ten minutes, let's say. So it's gathering the data, but it can send it back at a different schedule. Uh, also, there needs to be like two hundred millisecond latency uh, got, between your main database. Yeah, so that two hundred. Yeah, so two hundred millisecond latency is the the high end of what they're looking for. You're wanting it to be lower. Uh, but a remote collector can be has to have the 200 millisecond latency. Uh, very nice. So, uh, there's a, a very interesting question from Jorge over there. Oh, yeah. So uh, going for scale and architecture, you can resize a node after you deploy it. Uh, my lab actually has that exact thing whenever I show you uh, the instance I'm using. I deployed a small with four CPU and 16 gig of RAM and then turned it down to eight gig of RAM. Uh, I did that on purpose because I wanted to be able to add a second node if I chose to later for uh, practice or whatever. But right now I'm running a small that has less RAM. Uh, you can scale that and up and you, go ahead, sorry. Did you only like modify the, the VM prop, you know, shut down, modify the VM properties, turn it back on? Or yes. do you actually need to tell the app as well? Yes, you you just I just shut it down, changed it, and turned it back on. Had no issues. Okay, so very very resilient in accepting those changes. Right. 
Uh, Graham's asking how it's licensed. Uh, so it's licensed by CPU until you get to the enterprise version. So there's the standard advanced and enterprise. Uh, enterprise is actually licensed by OSI, or operating system instances. Uh, so you can monitor a certain number of objects. Uh, for instance, you have... When, someone, when, when somebody had asked me about, you know, what's OSI, and I looked it up, my, my simple definition is anything that has an IP yeah. counts as an OSI. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a, a great definition. Uh, so, for instance, if you buy for enterprise 2,500 OSI, you can monitor 2,500 endpoints, whether it's a virtual machine, a agent inside a virtual machine, a host, a vCenter, or whatever. It'll collect that. And you can explicitly in the licensing area set groups that are unlicensed, and they won't count toward that, but they won't be monitored. Um, ah. Do you, do you find, especially, because I imagine that one appliance is not tied one-to-one -to, -one to a vCenter. I imagine one appliance can actually uh, go ahead and monitor several vCenters. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, you can set up multiple endpoints. If you have one in one V relies operations infrastructure, but you have four different V centers. Uh, you can add all four of them into uh, the one instance and deploy remote collectors if the other V centers are in different data centers. Uh, it, you'll get that data in, and the really cool thing, and I'll show this, I guess, as the one uh, advanced feature that I'd, I'll probably show is you can create a custom data center inside vRealize operations. And mm -hmm. that gives you a container to monitor virtual machines, hosts, and clusters, resource groups from different vCenter servers and get aggregate stats and monitoring on, uh, say you have a multi-tier app that's in two different data centers. Uh, all the, you wouldn't be able to get full visibility into how your application is running in from one screen, but you can if you create a custom data center. Mm. So that's actually... Because my, my question was going to be like, and this is, um, you know, full disclosure, I work for VMware, but this is an honest question I would have as a customer. Um, if I move a VM, like from one vCenter to the other, is it smart? Does it realize that this machine is no longer here, it's over here? Would it count it twice? Do we have to do some cleaning? You know, things like that. That's a, a very good question. I, I know it pulls the different uh, UIDs from the virtual machines. Mm -hmm. I've not had the actual experience of moving a VM from one vCenter to another uh, to see and what see happens. How, but, yeah. Right. Okay. That's good. I'm just thinking because, well, you, you know 5.5 is going out of, out of support soon. And that's something that, as a VMware employee, I'm very, very, um, it's very present in my mind that five, that five support is going out in, what is it, August, I think. So I'm thinking, so maybe, maybe backpedal a bit, right? Because I'm assuming that any modern version of, of VRealize Ops 
can monitor, you know, six five, six zero, and five five as well. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, like I, to, uh, I'm, to almost any any modern vCenter. I I have I'm assumed that it's supported in that that way, but I do know it will monitor five five and six dot x vCenters. Cool, cool, and and I could probably bring that up in a web browser. Uh, but I just don't want to touch on what we're presenting right now, but I can probably bring up the support matrix. But I'm thinking as people start moving from their old vCenter and maybe they're not upgrading the vCenter, they brought up a new one in parallel, things like that. You know, I'm just thinking that several customers will have that where they want to put the new vCenter in, but they're worried that it'll get counted twice, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, there, there are ways that you can clean the data uh, as well to make sure that you're only getting counted once when you're doing custom license groups and such. Uh, cool. You can you can go in and you know say for instance I don't want these VDI monitored. They're going to be monitored in a separate stack, uh, and that doesn't get counted towards your licensing. Cool. I've run into that at a customer and before. So we did get a question from Graham. Will it monitor hardware too, like Cisco switches? Uh, yes. Uh, when we actually get into an orientation and setting it up, we'll uh, talk about that. But yeah, there are uh, monitoring packs or management packs that are created for different um, technologies. I would think that there are some for Cisco. We can look at the marketplace whenever we get to that point. Uh, I do know that there is one for uh, AWS and for other external cloud and hardware things. So, so I can't say specifically right. Cisco though. I was just wondering why, if, if the IP shows correctly, why I'm not getting pings. And as soon as I was going to stop and start the ping, so I started pinging. Awesome. So that's excellent news. Because what I also want to do, because I know that you know you deploy the thing, and I'm sure it hasn't finished coming up, but I'm just, oh, it looks like it has. Um, how do you connect it to the vCenter, right? So, so that's that's part of going from from zero to useful. Look at this. Oh, yeah. this is nice. You aren't you aren't even to that point of connecting it to vCenter yet, though. We have to uh, go through you. If you choose Express installation, it'll go ahead and set you up as a master node. But we don't okay. like to go through Express wizards here. Okay. So let's go to new installation. If you were wanting nice. to add it to a cluster, you'd choose the other, expand. Very nice. So this gives you a overview of what you're doing. So whenever you're getting started, uh, this is the very first set, setup. So you're adding the node in the initial setup right before you start the cluster. So I just next, right? Yep, just hit next. I'll put a password here. Guess what password I'm putting here? VMware one bang. Yes, sir. Yeah. So everybody my whole home lab, I never have to remember my password. Now we can all hack your home lab. Yes, if you can get to it. Okay, so we got a, uh, actually Dan Barr, who is one of the smartest people I know, and he knows it, that I say that. Um, he says, if you do cross the center of emotion, that does cause the VM to be detected as a brand new VM because the MoRef ID changes. So there's oh, that. Thank you, Graham. Or Dan, sorry. Yep. And uh, Mike Gruen says, can you mix and match licensing 
say you run advanced generally, but you have some licenses of enterprise that you want to use to perform application monitoring for tier one apps. Uh, when we get into licensing, we'll we'll look at that. I know you can add multiple license keys. I don't know mm -hmm. if it has to be the same level or not, uh, but we, we can definitely look at that and see. It kind of makes sense because there's some there are some features like you know super metrics or things like that that do require enterprise. So let me so check. On I'm going to use the default certificate here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't so do I'm going to use the default certificate because this is my home lab. Don't do it in production, okay? Uh, so this name, this is not the the, the VM hosting, right? So I can call it whatever. I've always put in the fully qualified domain name there. So that will get put into the uh, whatever your DNS record is going to be. So you know what? I'm going to call it Tom. Tom, that's going to be my name. Okay. And this guy's going to be. So I have a Raspberry Pi that does most of my stuff. So let's say, let's say that works. Apparently, it does. Okay. And this finish here. So if I were if I were to add another node, it would be a little bit different in that sense. Uh, you would point it to the name of your master node, which you just put as Tom. So you would point uh -huh. it to Tom, and then you would choose the role if it's going to be a uh, data node or. So Jorge is asking what version are we deploying. This is six six one. What uh, build number. do you have the lot or? What license are you going to be putting on there? Uh, well, I could bring up my VXPR license, but I would have to stop presenting, I guess. Is it not one of those products that lets you play with it for 60 days? We can do what we need to do, uh, setting it, hooking it up to your vCenter, because we're going to use my lab for uh, the kind of the uh, overview. Yeah, of cool. So I just use the admin and VMware One Bank uh, credentials there, mm -hmm. and I see here not started. I see that it's a master, like you had said. I see that it's not running. I see some options for high availability. Yeah. So, so what should I do? Just all right. start it. Yeah. So this is the admin panel, which you get to by going to the IP or fully qualified domain name of your uh, node and going slash admin. So if you were okay. if you were adding a whole say you were going to distribute five you make a five node cluster or something you would deploy them all and configure it up before you would start the cluster. Uh, you don't have to stop the cluster to add another node, uh, but if you're doing maintenance and you want to shut the whole thing down, this is where you would do that. If you're having trouble with collectors or something is down, you restart and manage the node from this admin panel. Okay, and we're talking just application level, not OS level, right? Uh, you, could you... I mean, yeah, I, I bet question? you can restart the whole thing, but... Oh, yeah. Can, but... This is the graceful way to shut some shut it down. Okay. If you're going okay. to... Uh, it, you could just go right-click, power off, but this actually can take the nodes out of the cluster and everything. Cool. Uh, to answer your some critical options, apparently there's a support option that it can get support bundles and logs. That's if you have to open any case, I bet. 
And if, if you're used to the 5.x version, this is way more responsive and slicker. I, I think they've done a great job with this UI. Cool. But yeah, just go ahead and hit start there. Okay. Ensure your cluster has the adequate number of nodes to manage your environment. If you want to add another cluster, okay. I click yes. Mm. So again, you know, if, if you're going to deploy this in your enterprise, you probably want to read the design guide. And Tom, are you going to provide some links later on so people can find these documents? Yeah, at the at the end, I have some references, and also on my blog, I have a landing page that has all those plus some some stuff I've written about uh, the design and considerations for deploying vRealize operations. You are so well prepared. You know, while this is churning, uh, we talked about clustering and how to do a distributed cluster for performance, uh, but there's also an option to, to add a high availability node. Okay. And that's a replica of the, the master node. And so you can deploy these replicas. They duplicate your data. So it's not exactly uh, a fault tolerant situation in a way. Okay. Uh, but the data is is duplicated. And it's kind of a confusing uh, way to think about it because it's the, the data is on your master and it's replicated to the replica. But it's, if the master goes down, it doesn't automatically fail over if you're thinking like, a fault tolerance if you turn it on in VMware. Gotcha, gotcha. So it basically just makes sure that the database and all your customizations, they're replicated to some, to another node. Mm -hmm. It does count Good. against your cluster limit as well. Okay. I see that we're running. I see that things are changing. This is going to be very exciting because I don't know where we go from here. I mean, you said you mentioned the slash admin is mm -hmm. like a, an overall administration panel. Mm -hmm. But I imagine that when this is running, I'm going to just go to the IP and it sh there will be like an application login to go to. So it'll look remarkably similar to the login page you just saw. Uh, you should be able to uh, to go to just go to the IP now and see what happens. Okay. So in, in your in another it's tab or. Yeah. So it sent me to the admin. Okay, yeah. so it hasn't come up yet. Uh, when it comes up, it actually sends you into uh, the full, the full gamut. Okay. Graham asks about the high availability, sort of like the the PSC. Uh, yeah, you can think of it sort of like that. It's a complete replica of your. Your data, though, it's so it doesn't seem to be very CPU intensive. Let's take a look at memory. Yeah, you can definitely tell this is where I brought it up. It's a big jump there. And would you say this is like a like a disk heavy VM or is it more memory hog? What would you say it's your consideration, especially because I mean this is brand new. But what happens once you're in production? Uh, depending on how many objects you're monitoring, it can be very storage intensive. So actually taking up a lot of space. Uh, default, it holds every five minutes worth of data for six months. Uh, 
or 60 days. No, it's six months. It is six months, sorry. So it holds the data for a very long time. It uh, continually gathers it, and then it's doing the, the transformation. I'm always running into RAM issues on mine, uh, but I did t tweak the RAM down. Yeah. Uh, All right. So I see online here. I see objects in progress. Uh, Al Rashid um, asks, can the data retention, uh, I guess, date, but also the settings, can it be adjusted? Yes. Uh, there's a concept called policies, and we'll see that now you're now that you're it's still going online, so it's installing stuff. Yeah, I yeah. see. I imagine this is just because it's the first time. Yeah, so you can take uh, by default the data is uh, captured every five minutes, but you can tune that up or down. You can tune down pretty much any. Um, point in the policy. So you, you can set your custom thresholds for what high CPU looks like uh, all the way down to what objects a different you know, alarm actually monitors if there's something that you feel is un unnecessary. Boy, I'm seeing like this used to be empty and I see objects in progress, metrics in progress. Pretty cool. Of course, nothing is collected because we haven't configured it. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the thing that we're going to do now is tell this realize ops instance connect to this vCenter, which in this case is my home lab vCenter. And there's really not a lot going on in my. Well, I, I did turn this off. Um, I don't have a lot of VMs right now. I literally, only, I think I only have the VCSA on. But. In a sense, we should be able to see it pick up uh, my environment, right? Yeah, uh, I only have 10 VMs in my home lab, and mm -hmm. I'm collecting 92 objects. Mm. So, so what's an object in that sense? An object is basically any item that the endpoint is pulling data from. So any metric? Metrics, objects have metrics. So okay. you can think of like vSAN as an object and the disk as an object. Okay. Um, so so give, give it to me again. So objects have metrics. Yes. The, the best so way when I say a, a particular disk in a server will have metrics, you know, like IO and this and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, oh, I see. So we have objects in this column, and we have metrics in this column. So it, 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 if I'm understanding correctly, uh, objects can have multiple metrics. Mm -hmm. And basically, I'm, I'm seeing that here. Yes. So in my instance, I have 92 objects. One of my objects is the AWS region, US West, North California. And so there's metrics tied to that availability uptime. Uh, also, my domain controller is an object, but so is the Active Directory plugin I've uh, plugged into it. But then there's not just one. There's you know, a bunch of metrics being pulled out of my domain controller from the VM. It's pulling CPU memory and so on. Cool, cool. All right, just because I'm 
I'm not a, a patient person. I'm going to keep trying and see if, if something else happens. No, admin, so. Try going to slash UI and see if that's come up yet. Oh, it's, it's new. Let's try that. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, uh, well. It's, no, it's kicked you right. Oh, nope. There you are. No, no, it did. All right. So well, I see local matter. users here. Mm -hmm. So this is the default yeah, first kidding. login. You only have a local authentication source. So you can't. Okay. So you can't uh, do AD authentication yet because you haven't told it how. But uh, is this the same admin VMware one? Yes, yeah, you set up the it's the administrator password that you set up on the the installation. Okay. That becomes the keys to your kingdom. Okay, so it's good to know that that credential is good for both the admin panel and the actual application UI. Hmm which we've kind of brute forced over here. Okay, congratulations, I like that. Yeah, so right. you just go through this this wizard and then we're on our way. Very cool. So I'm gonna do, do evaluation for now. I know we have, you know, the experts have keys, but yes. let's do it like anybody can do it, right? Right. Um, I'll buy not CAIP and finish, cool. So it's that simple. And now we have vRealize and we know everything, right? Yes, I'm an expert already. All right. So, I'm I'm useful already. I can tell people that I can install it. And I no, guess but, but seriously, if you're going to do this at work, you probably need to, you know, read much more to understand. You know, you mentioned the collectors, you mentioned HA, you mentioned uh, uh, having a cluster of databases. Mm -hmm. This is enough. Like, I've always told people, I want you to be able to do this in your home lab, so you can learn by yourself. Uh, and there's things like like uh, HOLs, right? The uh, hands-on labs that you can just fire that up and learn. But I always like installing it because that's what I'm going to be asked if I'm an engineer. Nobody's going to tell me it's ready to go. Everybody's going to tell me, well, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. All right. So should should we wait until this thing says completely thing or we can just hack we, it? We can kind of hack through right now. Uh, once again, don't do this if you're... If you're going tomorrow to deploy vRealize operations for your uh, for your work, let that finish. But you know, for us, we can go ahead. So this is the administration tab. It doesn't come up by default except for the first time you log in. Okay. Uh, so this is where you do all the configuration that actually makes uh, vRealize operations manager useful. Okay. So when we're talking about endpoints and adapters. Uh, the solutions tab, which you're on now, is where you configure that. So right now, if you think of your VRAS operations node as a ball in the middle of a field, there's there's nothing around it. It's not doing anything. Okay. So from here, if you want to connect it to your vCenter, uh, you would click on this vSphere solution. And what that okay. is is the management pack that gives a vCenter server adapter or vCenter adapter to communicate between vCenter and vRealize. So each one of these things that I see here that I, I did not install, but each one of them is a management pack. And yeah, so and there are actually many more uh, that, that are currently installing and uninstalling right now. Okay. Uh, so by default, you're getting uh, Login site, there's a vSAN one that should install um, 
and so on. But f we're going to just go ahead and set up the vSphere one. So, okay. so uh, I already clicked on it. Should I click on this configure? Uh, yes. Whenever, you, if it will let you. Okay. And if it won't, try clicking on the vCenter adapter at the bottom and see if that lets you. Oh, okay. And if not, yeah, we, we have to wait, I guess. So, but this is where you would hook it up to your vCenter. The same oh. if you have login site, this is where you um, manage that connection. Okay, so I see anything, anytime I click over here, there's a difference down here. Okay, get it. Um, and I don't get the configure bottom yet, it's just because this is still finishing. Okay. All right, and then uh, Graham asks, or the I management. This, I see this has gone up, and, and uh, as it's doing its stuff, and this thing has gone up. So look at that. And it's in 2,000 metrics now, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got my admin page up too, so I can show where mine's at after it's been up for a few weeks. Uh, v realize it Ken says, if you have v realize business for cloud, I'm sorry. I've, I've heard the same. Uh, management packs are, many of them are available free, uh, so, but companies like Blue Medora make some great management packs that they charge from, they charge for. Um, some of them are available as a free trial and then you have to pay for a license. Uh, it depends on the provider and they're pretty clear about if it's a trial or if it's free. So hold on, this change, my admin page, just moved into my UI. Oh, neat. I don't think I did that. That must mean it's ready. Let's see? Yes, yeah, change it to slash admin and see what it does. There you go. Yep, you're online. Completely says online. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Good. So. This was the original, so so it really took me somewhere else, right? But let's go ahead and, and since we're already here, we're talking about connecting to vSphere. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. quite different. So, Very cool. Yeah, so this display name is a common name. It's just what is you know, for human readable. You know, you do like library or whatever. Uh, okay. The vCenter server is the actual yeah, IP or fully qualified domain name. You have to add a credential. Okay. So it's kind of nice because it stores it so you can use if the same credential for multiple adapters if you're using the same uh, password. Yeah, my, my lab is very standard, so no worry there. Uh, enable actions, enable, disable. So. At some point, if I have several vCenters, I can actually just disable that vCenter. Uh, I, I mean, I'll look and see what that means. I think that means if you're able to do um, like automation against that one, I have to see what what that actually means. Enable actions. Okay, so let me just connect. to the I right there. All right, you're good. I accept that certificate. If I am able to type, yes, it is successful. All right, there's an I beside vCenter action, so I want to see what that says. Sure. Ah. Yeah, so 
So what that is, okay. I, I was... So, so, so a very important question, right? This account that I could put in on the VCS, I'm sorry, on the Realize Ops appliance is my full admin because mm -hmm. this is my home lab. But perhaps when you're doing this in your company, you want to put a service account, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and Graham asks, can you use SSO creds? Well, at this point, I'll, I'll try to answer that, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, uh, Tom. Since we haven't yet configured anything, right? We haven't. I'm I, I'm guessing that this needs to be connected to a PSC first before we can get to SSO, yeah, and yeah. we haven't gotten that far. So yeah. I, I'm guessing at this point you can't. All right, you'd have to set up an external authentication source to use. Um, those credentials, yeah. So this is all. But, but, but there's there's also another thing, Graham. You saw that when I added uh, my my Ac my. Actually, um, not to cut you off, but this is using this is the credentials on the, um, vCenter. So if okay. he's got an SSO, yeah. uh, if he has an account, if it has permissions, read-only permissions at least into the vCenter, uh, then you can use it to connect this part. Sorry. Yeah. So, so in theory, you can use SSL creds as long as the vCenter allows you to use them. But yeah. Okay. Yes. Read only, or a read is the minimum, and it has to be on the entire data center. So the account has to have read over the entire data center. Cool. And then here's some advanced settings. Is there anything in here that you have actually had to modify in a production environment? I have not. Um, you can. If you're so like the well, I guess that's not quite true. So default collector group at the very top of collector group is a group of either data nodes or remote collectors. So if you were um, in a remote data center, you could change this to another um, node. So say if you had a you your aerial v center, but you're collecting from Tom v center, and you had a remote collector in my or in the Tom data center, you would choose it there. If you're connecting okay. it up, so that's where you would set your, for your architecture designs. Cool, and I love the two billion number for VMs. I mm -hmm. find that I love that that target. Um, I see here that there's a so let me just bring back the advanced settings. So I could just save settings, but I also see a define monitoring goals. Do we want to go in there? Uh, no, not right now. Perfect. Uh, Let's okay. just go ahead and, you know, we, we've gotten it deployed. Let's see what we can actually do with it. Okay, so save settings? Yes, save settings and close or else you have to redo it all. Mm. That's very important. <laughs> um, there's a, a extremely thin line that I don't even know if you can see um, that tells you that you have to save it before you go. Uh, so, so now well, you're I see already here collecting. You're collecting, but you won't really have anything for five minutes, and you won't have anything actionable or interesting for a while. It can take up okay. to 30 days to really get good data flowing. Okay. So is there, like, I, I again, I just saw what you say, but I'm impatient. I want to go to home. I want to go to dashboards. I want to see whatever it's doing. So I see collection status, none. It probably means there's nothing. Right. But can I click around? <laughs> yeah, you can click around and see stuff. <coughs> but for for sake of time, I'm going to take the uh, 
the reins here so we can actually look at how to use data once we do get it. Okay. And I really want to stress, Tom, please be patient with this noob because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm looking at. So I know you, you know, that you are an expert at this thing, but I want you to give like I've never seen this. And it's not true, right? I've seen it at customers, but I want to understand it. So mm -hmm. take it slow. Sure. So this is the home screen. If I'll actually even log out and show you what happens when you log in. This is the same screen that Ariel had. And it's even the same password. So it's like it's the same instance almost. When there's been a lot of improvement over the years in the experience when you first log in. Uh, anybody who logged into the 5.x had a lot of information here. There were breakdowns of uh, health, risk, environment, and it got really overwhelming. And if you didn't know what you were looking at, it could lead to some uh, interesting meetings. So when you first log in, you get a recommended actions bar or your dashboard. So the main thing that this tells you is an at-a-glance view of what's going on in your data center. So if Ariel, if we'd looked at yours, it would just be gray right now. It would tell you the objects that were being uh, monitored by type. So I've got three hosts in one vCenter server with 12 virtual machines. So just going up the, up the top of there, mm -hmm. if I have several vCenter servers, I'll see them in that first mm -hmm. thing. If I have several v, you know, virtual data centers, I'll see them over there. Mm -hmm. What's a custom data center? A <laughs> custom data center. I thought I had one. Uh, what a custom data center is, is it is a logical container for resources that are across different vCenter servers. Uh, so you can't add your know, host from data center A and host from data center B into one grouping if they're in different vCenters. And is this just to get like a, a view? Perhaps you want to look at all your SQL servers. They're all over the place. So can I consider this like a view? Or is it more than that? It is more than that because it lets you do uh, data transformation on that. So you can view everything and it'll tell you the alerts, um, alarms, or whatever is going on in that data center. But then you can actually pull averages and, and do dashboarding off of a group of, uh, of items in that custom data center. Okay, so that just tells me, you know, it's more than a view, you know, it's very useful at some point, you might need it. Um, cluster compute resource, what's Sorry. that? I clicked the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, it's your clusters. So I have a compute cluster and a monitoring cluster in my okay. data center. So just number of clusters in, the, in all data centers. Yeah, number of clusters that are in your inventory, so. So I see host, I see virtual machines, I see data stores. I see like a little line over there. Is there more things or that's it? That's it. Okay, cool. Um, so far, I think I'm understanding. 
Yeah, so it's nice, pretty green widgets that can tell you if there's things that are going wrong. Uh, something that used to be very prominent that's kind of hidden over here in the corner is badges. Okay. So a badge is kind of the cornerstone of the V-Realize roll-up. So the major badges are for about health, risk, and efficiency. Uh, by default, we're seeing health problems. And you know, I have some, a bad health problem on one of my VMs uh, on purpose because I wanted it to be interesting. Cool. But I have no efficiency problems and very little risk. So what health, okay. so whenever you're looking at this, Health is a combination of the amount of work that the virtual machine or server or whatever the object is doing. If anything is out of the trend, so that's called an anomaly, or if there are any major faults that w could be causing a problem. So say you have lowered one of your HBAs or NICs is down, so you're, you have reduced redundancy. That would affect the health of anything that was on the host that had the reduced redundancy. And before we get deeper into this, could you tell me what the top line in the UI is all about? Because I see home, dashboards, alerts, environment, and we already saw a little bit about administration. So mm -hmm. I think we should start at the top and talk about that. Cool, yeah. Uh, the home is this. It's a general roll up, and there's some links on the side that uh, if you're doing a quick peek inside vRealize, this is where you would go. Uh, here's your capacity overview of your entire infrastructure, for instance. Dashboards is a more in-depth collection of, of data. So the dashboards that are on the home screen are actually here as well. The capacity overview, I've got some AWS dashboards that aren't really doing a lot right now. Um, heavy hitter VM. So these are so, all, go ahead. So my question is, I imagine some of them come here, but you can also create your own, right? Yes. So these, okay. the ones that you're looking at, minus the AWS ones are default out of the box. Cool. Uh, but you can create a, a custom dashboard. I've done that. I don't think that We'll have time necessarily to go through that, but you can create a custom dashboard based on applications or based on uh, any of the anything that's interesting to you. If you have, if you want to know the average demand of virtual machines on a certain host, you can create a dashboard for that. So I have a question because I'm looking at my environment and I only have under dashboards dashboards getting started. So once once we finish going over the top. I want to see how you add one. So on the left, you mean? Yeah. Uh, but let's let's continue through the top, and we'll come back to it. You know, alerts uh, tells you if there have been any triggered alerts. I guess I just defined alerts as an alert. Uh, any triggered uh, symptoms inside your data center? What happened to it? And something that's very neat is there's recommendations. So for instance, I have an alert from today that a virtual machine is using 100% of its uh, processor. It actually gives me a recommendation of what to do. These are very cool because you can create a custom alert with a custom recommendation. So 
if the alert is triggered for CPU usage, if you want to go in and edit and say, instead of recommendations doing this, recommendation restart the computer, you can change that. So these are default. I haven't said any of those, uh, but you know, here I have an unbalanced cluster and you can set DRS as that's what it's telling you to do. And it tells me all the symptoms that's causing the, the issue. Uh, okay. So it's some very useful actionable alerts and reality I've used the alerts a lot for uh, troubleshooting bad HBA cards. So if you're losing a lot of redundancy, oh. uh, so say your one of your HBAs is going bad, you'll get alerts saying um, that the HBA redundancy has been lost. So it's easy a way to, to monitor the hardware on a, a VM. If, when okay. we were talking about how I, many... I'm sure we'll dig deeper on alerts in a little bit. Yeah, so whenever uh, you were talking about the environment, the I'll take you through the custom data center, but the inventory shows every single object that you're monitoring. Uh, uh, and it gives you a little bit of an overview um, based on those health, risk, and efficiency badges I was talking about. So we were talking about metrics for objects. If you click on, a, on one of these objects, do you get, the, get to see the metrics? Indeed. Uh -huh. So here's my troublemaking virtual machine. And this is the overview. It tells you the configuration, where the data store, what host. It gives you a nice little uh, summary performance graph of what's going on. Nice. You can tell when I started prepping for tonight. Yeah. Um, and I see there's there's a, the third column there is all metrics. Yeah. So if you go to all metrics, it'll give you a... Oh, you can really dig deep over here. So this is just for... The, these are not even all of the metrics you get for the CPU or whatever. This is just the, the common ones. Okay. If we really want to dig into everything that you get for a CPU, um, you can go down to the average demand in... So, um, so scroll up a little bit. So it means that by default, we only assign some metrics to the objects, but you could also add more metrics or, or remove metrics if you wanted to. Right. So all these are the default set of metrics. But yes, you can remove metrics if you're, if you're never going to want to do recommended size reduction. If that's a metric that's not um, interesting to your company, you can actually go into a policy and remove that. All right. So there's, of course, I, I, I'm blown away by all the amount of information, but there's a bunch of questions that we have to get to. Um, so let, we'll just take a pause. We'll answer the questions, and then we'll come back to, you know, showing Ariel the noob. So Ken ask, uh, ask, asks us, are there automated reports or notifications built into VROps? Or are people just expected to log into the interface on a regular basis and dig into all this information? Uh, like if yes. I just connected to my vCenter and did nothing, would I ever get, well, I guess, first of all, I would have to send like an email to send alerts to, right? Right, yeah, so by 
default, there are no alerts that go out. You have to configure that you want an alert to go out. Right, you have to set up an SMTP server, you have to set up a mail distro. Where would you do that, in, in administration? It, in, uh, let's see. I don't have an SMTP server, so I haven't done this. So in outbound settings, I believe, is it up? Yeah, it's standard email. So yeah, so in uh -huh. administration, you would actually set up there, you can do REST calls, it can do dumps to an FTP server. Very cool. So you can set up your email there. So that's where you would set up the alert or the email for it to actually be able to send. Uh, and then I imagine you have to go into alerts and tell it you, you want this action, this and that. Yeah, so you, you would have to go in and set up a notification here. Okay. Okay, I think that that gives us yeah. enough meat to understand. Yeah. Yes, you, you you need to do some configuration. And for reports, <laughs> it's, it's, reports is kind of the same thing. You can do you can actually set a report to run uh, on. I'll just show you how to do a report on this VM that we were interrogating a few minutes ago. Okay. So if say data store inventory was interesting to you, you can actually schedule it to run and it can email it to you. So there are ways that it can give you information without you having to go into the UI. And I saw that it, right there, it also offered offered to set up the SMTP server for me, so oh, cool. it doesn't even have to be like I'm an expert and I know where to find the setting. It will right. actually tell me, hey, you need to do this part first. That's, okay. uh, that's new to me, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, Jorge asked about predictive DRS, which I know is a new feature. Uh, we'll come back later on because I know that's a more advanced thing. Al, yeah, we set up email alerts. Uh, Graham, it is collecting every metric that shows up, uh, but that are def that's defined in the policy. So uh, a policy gets really, really deep in the weeds, but basically it says, all this is interesting to me. Please collect it. Um, and all right. Let's so see. I kind of have an idea that home and dashboards is really to see things. Uh, environment seems to me to me to be the most uh, useful kind of pain. And alerts, well, I define how I want to see things and how I want to be alerted. Yeah. So the environment gives you access to the whole inventory and it lets you create custom containers. Like I was talking about the custom data centers here. Uh -huh. Um, however, I don't, in actual use, it's a lot of times if I'm coming in, so let's, let's make this kind of useful and that, uh, virtual machine that I keep, have made red is giving someone fits and they asked you to look it up, right? So there's a search icon up here. This is an actual, how I used to use it day in and day out. If a virtual machine was going south, if the performance was bad, I would actually pick up, look up the virtual machine in the search, and it would pull up the uh, summary. I can see the all the alerts. Uh, but what if there's not a issue right now? What if there's been problems and people say it keeps happening? My favorite tip is the 
analysis button. Okay. The analysis button gives you, you know, if, if you're looking at this and you're seeing red and you're seeing those badges, the analysis button is the next drill down from that. So when you're seeing a red workload, if you remember, I said workload anomalies and faults was the health breakdown. So the okay. health is a summary of these three things. So you can actually come in and see that there's critical workload on this and that the virtual machine is under stress. Mm. Uh, over the last oh, six... Oh, it shows, it shows me over the course of a week. Uh, last six weeks. So, so this nice. is an average, a weekly average rolled up over the, from the past six weeks of data that says that there are problems on the virtual machine every Tuesday morning. Oh, okay. Let's say Tuesday morning is your backup. So backups are causing some sort of problem on this virtual machine and may need to be rescheduled. So this pane right here is probably the most useful pane in all of VRLAS operations if you're spot troubleshooting a VM that's got perform historical performance issues. Nice. So. And stress means just what it sounds like. If your workload is too high, um, you get stressed out. And okay. it even shows you the trend over the past 30 days. So all of the, you can actually see the trend of everything over the past 30 days. I've got no time remaining, which you would expect. I'm running some power of prime number generator on this machine. So this is super useful because me as an admin, obviously, if we install this, I expect to be able to know what happened. Um, however, I do want to go back to one thing, which is mm -hmm. that in my environment, uh, the alerts, was it alerts? No, it wasn't alerts. It was dashboards. Yes. Yeah. Dashboards only shows me getting started. And I get like a little... Um, Oh, welcome to dashboards. You know, you can get some things, but guide us over putting some dashboards, and especially, I mean, you have already some of them, but guide us through setting up our first dashboard and, you know, what are dashboards for? Are, are they just meant to be my views when I log in? or Because I've also heard that VROPs can be given to other groups so they can monitor stuff, hmm. um, not just the VMware administrators. So I've, one of the use cases I've heard is that you can give it to application owners so they can monitor the application, right? Uh, so give me you know, your, your five minutes spiel on dashboards. What do you use them for? How do you set one up, et cetera, et cetera? All right, so a dashboard is very integral to collaborating and using VRealize operations. Uh, we've dug down in just a few minutes and found different issues with a, a virtual machine, let's say, but your operations team isn't necessarily going to want to dig through the interface and go to the environment to dig down to find something. You can set up a custom dashboard that gives them just the information they need at their um, a click of the button. And I can try to set up a live one, but there's it's going to show you the complexity of it, but by default, this tab or this uh, getting started dashboard basically just tells you all the different dashboards that come out of the box. If you're seeing this, you can decide if you're wanting a troubleshooting dashboard 
and it can tell you how to troubleshoot a VM. I'll show you this one, but uh, then we'll go into creating our own. Uh, okay. This dashboard is actually remarkably similar to one that I've created before. Uh, if you click, there's a, an interactive dashboard always has a filter of some kind. So if you wanted to, for this instance, troubleshoot this virtual machine, you click on it, it gives you the details and the alerts. That stress tab that I just showed. And there are other uh, optional widgets. So each of these are individual or widgets. Uh, the uh, Descendant, this is a uh, organizational tree or descendant, a descendant tree. So you're seeing this virtual machine, but if if the problem was, if there are issues also on the data store, it would show red there and you'd be able to zoom in and see what was going on on those issues. So a dashboard can be shared. Uh, this even says it's shared. So if I create a dashboard that drills into all the resources for my electronic health record or for my uh, web server. And I want to hand that off to the help desk team so they can actually see exactly what's going on. Uh, you can share that to them so they only, and with role-based access control, they only have access to the dashboards that are shared to them and nothing else. There's something that caught my eye. That number five, are the relatives healthy? Mm-hmm. So does that mean that VROPS automatically knows which host, which data store it's running on? Uh, yeah, so it has everything linked. It can tell you, you know, this virtual machine is running on host Nook 1. It's in the folder, Discovered Virtual Machines, and it's on this NFS data store. And automatically okay, so maps that. So I can be, very quickly, I can find out if it's a, it's a if the problems on this VM are a product of another problem, or if the VM itself, the OS, is having some, some issue. Yes. Cool. And the reverse of that, if I go into that host, it shows all the VMs that are on the host and tells you which ones are healthy. Uh, so so here's, a fun, here's a fun thing, though. It says the host is busy with 100% CPU. It does show the, the host to be green, though. Is it because it knows it's only one VM causing it? Yeah, it's the threshold for turning this red may not have been hit yet. Okay. So I have to check my policy at some point and see, because it should have been alerting, saying that it wasn't healthy too. Okay. Um, but, but again, it's probably because it knows it's just one VM being the thing and it's not really affecting the others. The others are not red. So mm -hmm. it probably is trying to, to make you aware that it's not a host issue, it's a VM issue. Yeah, that uh, makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I would have to dig into exactly why, if that's the case. Yeah. Scroll down because I see I love when you get verbiage like VMs hogging CPU. Yeah, look at that. Okay, so 
several different ways to see the information, right? Yeah, I like that it hides a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So my domain controller is actually using more memory than my machine that has the uh, false flag on it. All right. So show me how you add a dashboard. So if you have uh, if you have the vRealize standard edition that comes with uh, vSphere for operations management, you actually can't create a dashboard. Uh, no, no, not create a dashboard. Just add one because if if you want to go uh, go back to my environment, it really has no dashboards on it. All right. So for your environment, um, if you want to switch back, we can. But you would just go to all dashboards. Okay. And pick one from there, and it will populate it on the left side. If you okay, don't. Okay. So it's. Go ahead. So just pick one that you don't have yet, because I I just want to see it, because obviously I'm I'm a noob, right? Yeah. But it doesn't. It, like it's not a complicated thing to add a dashboard then. Right. So if the dashboard already exists under all dashboards, uh, if you notice, I don't have troubleshoot a data store. Uh-huh. If I open it, it shows up. I can actually X out some of these too. Oh, cool. So troubleshoot a data store showed up. And, uh, and it already has data. I don't have to wait for it to, to, to start getting data then. It uses the data that you've collected. Okay. So for yours, it may not have any yet, or it may just be starting to do stuff, but it'll probably still be gray. Um, it looks like my VM is actually getting better. Huh. So I, I just added my dashboard to troubleshoot a data store, and I see information. So this is great. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, cool. Cool beads. Yeah. So that's those the data stores that are, or the dashboards that are shown here are included with uh, vRealize operations standard. Uh, you can create your own custom ones. You actually can't create uh, custom reports with uh, vRealize operations standard either. That's a, a feature of advanced and enterprise. So we do have some questions and then we'll, do you feel useful? Do you feel I actually feel a lot more useful than when I started. Okay, good. So let, let's grab that question, and I ha actually have a question after that. All right. So Al says, analysis can be used to provide historical data if a VM has been a problem child for a length of time. And this info can be used to build a case to determine if a VM should be shut down and recreated. So the first answer is yes, and you actually sparked me to want to say one more thing. So we'll go back to the analysis tab. So Al, everybody can follow along. So Al asked if you can uh, It shows you have been a problem child for a certain length of time. So yeah, so over on average, every Tuesday morning at 2 a.m., this virtual machine has been a real problem child over the past six weeks. So you could figure out why, and you can see if there's any sort of event correlation. I'm not talking about login site, but that could be a good tool to look, or however you would troubleshoot what happens at 
2 a.m. every Tuesday. Uh, it also can, the output, I'll say, of using this view in my experience is for sizing your virtual machines. So if you're looking, it says that your CPU has a lot of stress. And so if you're having stress and there's no capacity, it actually gives you a recommended size for the virtual machine. Uh, there's, you can create dashboards that actually pull this and I have a vRealize or a PowerCLI script that can pull the recommended size uh, using PowerCLI. But um, so this says this virtual machine really needs four CPU. Um, the fa my favorite story about this is having um, a server that's been a problem for years uh, after getting usable data and actionable data out of vRealize, we're able to see, oh, it's actually demanding 16 gig of RAM at peak, and we only had four there. Um, so it, it's kind of nice for it to be able to say, you, you know, we would recommend you up the resources to this amount. Um, the, the, and does the, it work the other way? Can it tell you, you know, you have this machine running eight gigs of RAM, and never, they had never used more than two you know, you probably should just turn it off or at least, you know, re decrease the resources, right? Mm -hmm. um, it may, yeah. Yeah, look at that. So here it says I've got a gig of memory on this uh, Linux VM and it recommends it be 512 meg. Uh, cool. So that's a way that you can do um, capacity planning or right-sizing your environment. Um, I've That's very neat, especially if you can show that report over to management and tell them, listen, we've been running, we're collecting data for a month now or a year or whatever, and this is what the right sizing should be. You know, that's very powerful. And, of course, that's one of the things that sells uh, VROPS. Mm -hmm. um, I have one comment from Dan uh, mm -hmm. that clarifies one of my questions. And he says, uh, when we are looking at dashboards, the list on the left is really just a list of ones you've actually viewed they're all available all the time. You're not really adding them per se, because like you mentioned, it's already collecting the data. It's already doing the analysis. So that's pretty cool. Thank you, Dan. We're, we're nearing the hour. I think I'm very useful now. I, I'm, I've seen that I, there's a lot of things to dig into. Why don't we turn over to your, you know, more, and we've answered almost every question, I think. Uh, the one question that we didn't answer was Jorge Torres talking about, um, predictive DRS, which I know is a new feature. Yeah, so I've never used predictive DRS. Um, it seems pretty neat, and there are ways that you can turn it on in the collector and uh, you let v, uh, vCenter know in the cluster settings. So you can uh, automatically move machines around if there is a, a time where a host has high stress. So yeah. say if the entire host is stressed out at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday, then it can evacuate certain VMs that are causing that to try to balance the load. Yeah, I remember from VMworld what they what I had heard and understood was that you can actually have VROPs talk directly to the server rack, right, where it's ILO or DRAC or whatever. And if the server itself sees that it has, for example, it's taking memory correction errors, which may not show up, during normal monitoring of the host or the uh, or the uh, VMs, 
it can then say, you know, this host is kind of iffy. Uh, we're going to start migrating VMs off it. Even though there's no symptom yet, we know the rack is telling us something. So it'll be cool for people that actually have servers instead of you and me, which we mostly have NUCs in our home labs, to actually test this out and, and share it with the community. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to your resources uh, that, I, that I said, you know, I'm pretty sure we will not be able to cover everything. So prepare something so, for people to dig in deeper. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, so the hands-on labs, VMware, I think every VMware thing ends with that, but uh, with hands-on labs, uh, you can do the cloud management platform track. There's four of them. I'd start with the first. Uh, the first two modules are about uh, VRealize business for cloud. Uh, you can go start with module three if you want to dig into dashboarding. Um, and you could do the other two if you want to see that product. Uh, the uh, for, there's five total, and they get really deep into creating supermetrics. Uh, they're all very good. I've I've done them all. David Davis has a plural site uh, course v, uh, about VRealize Operations Manager, and he's a fantastic teacher. So if you have a plural site account, go and watch that. And if you're a V expert and don't have a plural site account. Uh, sign up. That's one of the best perks of being a V expert. Uh, mylearn.vmware.com. If you go to that site over here, uh, you can click on the virtualization and cloud management platform training track. And there are some free VMware courses. They're about two hours each on uh, VRealize operations. The documentation is very, very good. The uh, VMware does a fantastic job of making readable and usable uh, documentation. And if you're really curious and want to get that sizing right for the very beginning, uh, knowledge base article that is uh, a great place to go. It has the entire matrix of how many objects can fit in what node. And if you want to see all of that and have clickable links, uh, go to my website, tomgreen.com vrops and there will be links to my blogs that I've written about how to design a VRealize operations cluster and uh, links to these resources. Awesome. And, you know, there's also, like, paid classes that you can go. I remember having gone to one. I think it was a two-day class. Um, and I think there's a specialist badge that just came out. So if you want to show others that, that you're good at VROPS, I think there's a little exam you can take now, um, which is pretty neat because it, it used to be that you couldn't, you know, whoever could not really, oh, you have the badge. I didn't know yeah. you had it. Yeah. <laughs> not only well, there I, you go. Not only do I have one shirt that I wear to Disney, I also have the VROPS badge. <laughs> Very humble brag right there, but I'm happy that you have it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, thanks. Um, I got it this week, actually, so, preparation for this. No kidding. Yeah. So you 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 were like preparing for to give your <clears throat> specialist uh, dissertation. I, listen, man, I really appreciate because this is this is what B Brownback and the V community is all about. So many times you you think you know something, but you're not sure, or your concepts are not there. And sitting with someone really helps you both uh, firm concepts and just you know. Everybody has dumb questions that they're afraid to ask. So I really appreciate what you did with for me today. If if I would ask you one more thing, 
as you have probably trained others, as you, as you have gone through the product, what are things that people tend to get stuck on in your experience? The sheer scale of it all is very hard to know exactly where to start whenever you're looking at, you know, this dashboard's better. It's fairly clear, but you really need to know what the different metrics are. Uh, so starting with those trainings or the Pluralsight course that I, I mentioned a few minutes ago is a great way to kind of orient yourself into the application. Uh, Without, if you're just dig, jumping in to be, you know, to be completely frank, I just jumped in and started learning it years ago. So do as I say, not as I do. Uh, please just make sure that it's not going to be super easy to to coax out information at first, but to keep with it and uh, start with metrics that you know are are interesting, and then dig into what the other ones mean. One of the main uh, tenets of learning is to start with a problem, right? Because then you'll focus on solving the problem and you'll learn along the way. If you wanted something actual, if you have a home lab and you wanted to deploy it like Ariel did, uh, create a problem so you know the solution, but pretend like you don't and see if you can figure the problem out. So I downloaded Prime 95 or something that calculated prime numbers. And so if I wanted to go through and try to investigate that virtual machine as if I didn't know what was happening, yeah, that's a good way to, to get in and get oriented. Awesome. And finally, I know this thing can do a lot more, right? Because so we can talk to vCenter, you can talk to a lot of stuff. Um, vCent, for example, I saw that there's some dashboards already for vCent. So you don't need to do anything special to start monitoring vCent, right? Uh, you would have to configure it in your adapter. Okay. So under solutions, there's a vSAN adapter. You'd have to configure it there. Oh, so so that's that's actually a great point that, that we had forgot to touch about. Where do you get more more of these uh, management packs? Is it like a what? How do you how do you up, how do you get them installed? So if you have a pack file, you can install it just by hitting the plus sign. Where do you get those? It used to be called Solution Exchange. Um, where I don't know where they are now. But yeah, I so think if you go back to the results, first of all, you're using Bing, so you never can find problem. anything. Bing. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I saw I saw something down there, marketplace of VMware.com. Try that one. Oh yeah. There it is. Uh, yeah. So it's still called Solution Exchange. Okay. So if you are. Damn, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, Vrealize Operations Management Pack. Blue Medora sells them, and they make fantastic packs. Let's say... And when I see SDA or ADV, is that the license that I need to be running? Uh, yes. 
Okay. So say you wanted a management pack for AWS. I actually downloaded that one. So you could download it and you would install it through the um, that plus yeah, sign. Administration yeah. Tab. yeah. And then so you get a little file. You basically go into administration, then you click the add button. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah, and I'm actually, I don't know why my collector isn't working for AWS. I was hoping to show some of that, but. Yeah, you probably don't have money in your account, man. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my Amazon gift card ran dry. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, Tom, I really appreciate it. I think I, we covered a lot. Um, there's obviously, like you said, it's a very rich product. It's a lot of different things, but I really appreciate uh, you sharing your expertise, you know, engineers helping engineering and others engineers. And um, dude, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know if you have any questions or if there's anything else that you'd like to hear about and I'll record a video or do another V-Brown bag for it. Cool. Oh, one thing. You did mention that you're doing um, – so what, why don't we go to tomgreen.com slash VROPS uh, so you can show people what you have already there. And uh, you, I think you mentioned that you're going to do a blog uh, series on a bunch of, of, of the stuff that you're working on. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, this is my landing page. My, my blog is actually in transition right now, but this is the landing page with the clickable links for the resources. And um, very cool. The definitions of all the different types of nodes requirements for setting it up and si a brief of the sizing guide. Um, very, very cool. And also a design if you're using a small node and what the uh, what it kind of looks like on a logical level. Excellent. It's kind of silly planning one for a home lab, but my next blog is going to be planning it for a medium-sized deployment with a multiple clusters and geographic locations. So. Excellent. Tom, I can't thank you enough. We're getting a lot of kudos in the comments and the questions. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us and asking questions. We really appreciate it. If you like this kind of format um, where we take someone from zero to where the point that they can feel that they understand what's going on and they can dig deeper, let us know, especially what topics, and especially if you want to volunteer. Um, we normally have, as B. Brown, like we have a very good amount of resources and relationships. So if you tell us, hey, listen, I want to go from zero to actually doing something useful for AWS, we know at least five or 10 people that would gladly give that session. So if you think of a topic, if you want to be the play the noob in one of these, just let us know and we'll make it happen. Tom, I'll let you uh, close it up and finish the recording. Thank you so much again. All right. Thanks a lot, Ariel. And uh, thanks everyone for attending and we'll see you next week.